Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to a special bonus episode of This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And so, you know, there's a little film I like to call Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, because that's what it's called. That's its title. And we're very excited. I love the movie. And uh, now that it's hitting, you know, its home release, it's been on digital for a while. And now it is on Blu-ray and 4K in your brain, DVD, HDR, I don't know, all the words and letters. Uh, it's out now. Got a lot of cool special features. And uh, we actually have an interview with one of the creators of the characters who is featured in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And so we thought it'd be super fun to uh, share that with you now as we're releasing the movie. So we have a really fun conversation with Fabrice Sapolsky, who he was one of the writers for Spider-Man Noir back in the day. Uh, Spider-Man Noir, as you know, if you've seen the film, is uh, this cool 1930s Spider-Man. And man, it's like 10 years now since that comic first came out, since that character first appeared. Fabrice co-wrote it with writer David Hine, and uh, had beautiful art by Carmine D. Gian Domenico. It's really cool. Set in like 1933, you get uh, a Peter Parker who is bitten by not a radioactive spider, but uh, a sort of spider that is venomous and illegally transported. It comes in and gives a little nibble on Peter, and then, uh, boo, Peter gets special spider powers because that's how it works in the 30s. And we get a really fun story that has like gangsters and cool journalism stuff with Ben Urich and nasty twists on our characters in Spider-Man Noir. And then most importantly, of course, we have Nicolas Cage voicing a Spider-Man in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So it's really cool. We recorded this right before the movie premiered. So you'll get his perspective like before the film comes out. But I'm, I'm sure he's delighted because it's really, really damn cool. If you haven't picked up the Blu-ray or the digital, there's tons of special features. There's a uh, Spider-Ham mini-movie that is available on all versions. But you should go get the iTunes version because there's a very special This Week in Marvel exclusive chat with uh, the producers and the stars that is only available through iTunes. So I hope you check it out, and I hope you enjoy this interview with Fabrice. Fabrice, welcome to Marvel LA, my temporary home. Thanks for, for joining me here. Thanks for having me. Your part of this whole big, wonderful web is you are one of the co-creators of Spider-Man Noir. I am. Those kind of ideas that you have while you're shaving... <laughs> Never happens, right? Like, you see, oh, I had the idea, like, well, I was shaving. Well, this is exactly what Spider-Man Noir was. I was shaving, and I was in London because I had a, a meeting with a publisher, and then I got the idea. And at the time, I only had, like, three things. A, the look of the character, roughly because I didn't design it myself. Marco Djurjevic did it, and it was a beautiful job. But I had, that, like, this idea of a totally dark Spider-Man. And the first scene of the first book when uh, J. John R. Jameson is found dead and Spider-Man Noir is on his desk and the police comes in. And I had the name, Spider-Man Noir. And then I took it to David Hine and he said, that's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> wow, David doesn't hold back. Well, it's, yeah, no, he doesn't. Like he, he speaks his mind just like I do. Uh, we're, we're both like a piece of the same cloth, you know? But I mean, it happened that I was supposed to have breakfast with him that morning because he's my friend. He was my friend before that. Yeah. And so he's the first person that I saw and that I pitched it to. And I said, no, <laughs> 
drop it. That's the most ridiculous idea I ever had. I ever heard, sorry. And then he changed his mind. And I guess the rest is history. <laughs> what, do you know what changed his mind? I, I, actually, we, we talked about it many times. Dave was not so much interested in noir at first. It was more pulp. And when we pitched the, the series, the first series, it had both title attached to it because Dave was interested in having a pulp Spider-Man and I was interested in having a noir Spider-Man. So the first pitch had Spider-Man pulp or Spider-Man noir. I won. <laughs> uh it's an interesting thing to think about because there are differences. You know, noir connotates a very different type of feel yeah. than pulp. They are similar, but they come very different. And I think that's what makes Spider-Man noir so unique. I mean, Marvel had a bunch of other noir books that came around the same time. But ours was really different because of those pulp elements. It's the only character of the whole line who had powers. And it was interesting. The origins are very pulpy, too. So we wanted to keep that vibe. And and strangely, it's like water and fire. It shouldn't work, but it works. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Usually when I, I have these chats, I like to know, like, what is your Marvel origin story? How did you first get connected, you know, as a fan, as a reader, as a viewer? What was your first exposure to Marvel, the comics, the wow. characters, whatever? So you have to remember one thing is that I grew up in Paris, France. And when I was six, seven years old, the first comics that I get my hands on were translated and it was often translated in a very weird order and there were several different publishers i mean my first marvel related book was a conan book it was a conan the barbarian a giant sized conan the barbarian i must have been seven so it, the weird thing is that i was allowed to buy it <laughs> because it was still very violent for yeah. my age but i enjoyed it very much i remember it was a I think it was a John Buscema. Buscema, yeah. Yes. And it was one, I don't remember the exact episode, but it was one where he was like behating vampires. <laughs> as, as he does. As he does. Yes, this is Conan. And then, and then a few months later, it was the Avengers and then Spider-Man. And ever since, Spider-Man has been my favorite. Why does Spider-Man connect to you? I mean, I, I think everybody has those characters at Marvel, but why Spider-Man? Well, let you? me tell you a very funny story. I always root for the underdog. Maybe it's because I'm an underdog myself. I always root for the underdog. I always had kind of a tenderness, special connection with those street-level characters. Not just Spider-Man, but Daredevil, Iron Fist. Iron Fist has been one of my favorites like since the 70s. And at the time, we didn't have in French the Iron Fist series. We had a, a few of them. I think we, we were able to read like 15 episodes or something, and then they interrupted it because nobody wanted it. But I loved that. But I also loved Spider-Woman, and I loved all these street-level characters. Nova, when he was not street-level, but you get the idea. It was like uh, this character was like back against the wall against everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Rom Space Knight was a, one of my favorites when I was a kid. Yeah. All these characters, which, which were like very, how do I put it, They're emotional. And Spider-Man was one of them was very emotional. There was a lot of things. There was his love life. There was his, his relationship with his aunt, his take on the world. It was it was very different. Yeah. And he was, like, relatable. And yeah. I guess it's the same for a lot of us. Yeah. You mentioned that you had this idea. David was like, yeah, whatever. Kind of. Kind of. And then he, he eventually came around. How long, what was that time span like? Oh, you mean between the moment where he dismissed me and the moment where he changed his mind? Yeah, and said you were brilliant. 
Uh, it's about 12 hours. Oh, okay. For some reason in my head, I was picturing like, you know, two weeks later, he's just like struck by it. No, actually, we had we had breakfast that day. It was in London. Okay. So we had breakfast and I had my meeting. It was at noon. It was a lunch meeting. And then I took my train back to Paris because, of course, Paris and London, they, we have the Eurostar. It's a train. So I took my train back and... Remember, it's 2006, so we didn't have a lot of smartphones back then, no iPhones, nothing like that. So I had to wait until I was back home to open my emails and and find Dave's answer. (laughs) And Dave's answer was there when I came back home. It was like late, probably 11 p.m. in Paris. And he said, well, wait, I thought about it. Maybe if we change this and we add that and we move this around, it can work. I'm not sure, but it can work. And we started working on this. And then um, this is where magic happens. At the time, I was the editor-in-chief of a comic book magazine that I created and chief edited for a long time called Comic Box. And so I was frequently in New York for comic book business. And at the time, the marketing director at Marvel was uh, Jim McCann. So I had a lunch with Jim. It was January 2007. And after we finished talking about the business stuff, I said, OK, look, and we have this thing. It's called Spider-Man. What would you think? And he said to me, now I can say it because it's like so long ago. I didn't tell you anything. But it's exactly the thing that Joe Quesada wants to hear right now. And Joe Quesada was, of course, the editor-in-chief of Marvel at the time. So I literally came out of the restaurant and I called Dave and I said, we have to finish this pitch tomorrow. And we did. And two days after, we sent the pitch and like almost immediately, Joe replied to Dave, I'm interested. Uh, Let me take a closer look at this and I'll get back to you. And two weeks later, we had an editor, Warren Simmons was our editor, and we were on. We had a contract and we started developing. That's amazing. Like those things don't often happen. No. And especially, and I'm stressing this out for a lot of people ask me how I did it. Because of course, I was a stranger in a strange land. I'm not American. English is not my first language. And we know that there are not a lot of creators, especially not a lot of writers whose first language is not English. It was not like I had this strategy planned. But the fact that David Hine, who's British, uh, was with me. And even though I came up with the concept and I shared it with David, he became the lead writer on this because A, he had more experience at the time, and B, because, of course, had I sent the pitch myself, which would have ended up in the trash. So it was uh, a good strategy. And, I mean, everything after that was just unbelievable. You probably know that, Brian, because you're a journalist. So you you know how it is when you are a journalist and then you cross the river <laughs> and then you're on the other side and now you're a creator. And you have to process that. It's different. Everything is different. I'm, I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I loved being a journalist. And I'm probably still am a journalist and I will always be. But being a creator is really something that is good for your soul. You You have all this love for characters, for stories, and you can now give the love back to this medium that you love so much. Yeah. And to see it now, 12 years later, yeah. on, on a big screen, it's got to be some of, one of the most exciting things. Just I, I 
try not to think about that. <laughs> uh, I really understood the power of this whole thing and how comics are extremely important in the entertainment world. Yeah. When we got the video game, the first video game, Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, mm-hmm. it was a complete surprise. I remember get, getting a, a, an email from my editor, Alejandro Arbona at the time. So he said, oh, by the way, the people from uh, Activision, they love Spider-Man Noir. They want to put it in the game. By the way, it comes out in three weeks. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then the shock. Oh, they changed the costume. I was not okay with that. Because the costume that they took was the one that Dave and I rejected first. <laughs> ah. <laughs> because we preferred the costume with the trench coat. Yeah. But we understood that to animate that in a game, he was more convenient yeah. to have uh, this special jacket that he has. The irony is that now more people know the video game than the comic. Well, the comic hasn't been reprinted in five years. I'm sending a message here. <laughs> <laughs> to whoever is responsible for that. Sure. But it is available on Marvel Unlimited. If Absolutely. I am always say to people, if you want to read it, go to Marvel Unlimited. Yes. Yeah. So the, the book actually came out 2009? Nope. I'm going to tell you a secret about me. I have a very good memory for some things and not for others. I can tell you that the first issue of Spider-Man Noir came out December 12, 2008. You can check. That's a good memory to have for like... That first issue? That, that was first my issue. first ever comic book as a professional. Yeah. And it freaked me out for a long time. Like, when you start that high, like, your first writing gig is at Marvel. Not only just at Marvel, but, like, co-creating your, your character. It's your character. And after, I mean, there was Stan, Steve, Jack, and then a bunch of great names. And then, like, down there, there's this little <laughs> you. <laughs> and you're all of a sudden, you're part of this bigger family. And it's humbling. Yeah. And it's terrifying at the same time. <laughs> I want to talk about the the look a little bit because you had mentioned you had some thoughts in your head about yeah. what he would look like. Yeah. And then it, it moved around because Marco's designs came in. Yes. How different was he when you first pictured him? So Dave and I, we thought about the costume first and he had to be believable. So when we started thinking about Spider-Man Noir's costume, we thought that he would be cut from Uncle Ben's uh, military gear because in that story, Uncle Ben had been a pilot in the um, U.S. Air Force in the World War One. So, and that's how he gets the goggles, how he gets, how he cuts his mask and the trench coat and everything is like taken, it's just dyeing everything black basically and like patching things together. But Everything comes from his uh, military uh, gear. And then the first approach that Marco had was very different. It was like it retained a red dominance, and we didn't want that. It was like red and leather, I think. Mm. And we said, no, this is not the spirit of the character. It would have to be completely black. And then he came up with this second version with the short sleeve jacket that we didn't like. (laughs) And then he came back with another version and the trench coat. And this is like, oh, this is our guy. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Then you got Carmine, DJ, and Domenico on. on Yes. And Carmine came after after Marco and and did a brilliant job nailing the character down and, and creating this very unique style. I also want to mention Richard Isanov, who did Edge of Spider-Verse number one with us, who took it the, to another level. Like, it was all, like, painted. It was, like, almost like a film on paper. He does something special with colors. Absolutely. Oh, well, he was drawing. 
So it was just drawing in colors. Yeah. And I, I got to see his original panels. And actually, he draws on a tabloid size, uh, like 11 by 17 size paper. He draws each panel. And then he, he puts them all together on in Photoshop. But every panel is a piece of art. It's just fascinating how it works. Yeah. And I think of... He worked with Jay Lee. He worked with Joe yes, Q. Absolutely. And then you see where still he still does. Yeah, he still does. But like how he's taken those little pieces of that into his own yeah. style. Yeah. yeah. When he did the Ultimate Spider-Man covers with mm-hmm. Mark Bagley. Yeah. He's a pioneer. Uh, and I mean, he's, he's also a good friend. But professionally, he's been as his best for like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, there, there was the, the follow-up limited series. Yes, the second one. And that was, that's been a couple of years now. What was that, 2010, 2011? It started in uh, 2009, actually. So it was, it was about this, one year later, roughly. Yeah, so issue one came out in December, and it was probably bigger than Marvel expected, <laughs> to be honest. So I remember... In February 2009, it was New York Comic Con. It was snowing like hell. And we get a phone call from Warren and Alejandro. And they said, are you guys in New York? That's, I like, my, that's your that's, Warren? That's my Warren summoned okay. voice. Okay. Are you guys in New York? Is it accurate? <laughs> no. Okay, <laughs> but, good. But I like it. Okay, I like good. it a lot. I've no, yeah, Thank I you very Warren much. back in the day. That's great. <laughs> so Warren said, uh, are you guys available for a meeting? We want to talk about Spider-Man Noir. Yeah. All right, so we go to the Marvel offices, and he says to us, uh, dudes, <laughs> this is accurate, right? Yeah, dudes, dudes and bros. Dudes, we want a sequel, and we want it now. <laughs> okay, what now? Like, in three weeks, we... <laughs> <laughs> you can't have a script in three weeks, Warren. Dudes, give me something in three weeks, because we have the budget right now, but the market is soft, so we don't know if we're going to have it in the next six or seven months. And we said, all right, we'll find something. So we got out, we went to a cafe, and we started plotting. And it was pretty easy. That's the irony. When we pitched Spider-Man Noir, we had ideas for like 20 other noirized characters. And we didn't know at the time that Marvel was developing other series. Because what we did was we wanted to keep the same kind of vibe, like a pulpy, noir-y Spider-Man, but applied to other characters. And Marvel was going to another direction, which is okay, but um, we never heard of it. So we were very hesitant in including other characters in Spider-Man noir. So we kind of developed our own little corner of the universe. And Spider-Man noir has, there's always been a socioeconomic sub-layer. There's this social justice kind of uh, vibe and it's probably why it's so popular with uh, people and it was pretty ahead of its time I mean if you look at it like since then you, you you've had a lot of comics that have like been very vocal about some issues that society has but Spider-Man Noir was like the original gangster <laughs> like, <laughs> of course you can argue that they were like Stories by Howard Chaikin in the 80s and Wally Wood. Before that, you had Will Eisner. Of course, you have those legends. But within a Spider-Man story, I think we pushed a lot of doors that were simply not opened at the time. So it was great for that. And the topics uh, in the second miniseries were even darker than the first ones. I mean, we're talking about uh, genetics, manipulations, Nazis, 
uh, how our version of Dr. Octopus is terrifying. Mm. And I'm not talking about the other villains that you have, like the crime master. We have this whole subplot uh, on uh, violence on women. And again, it was before everything. Uh, that's why when we got the chance to come back to the characters very recently in the spider and we wanted to add another chapter to that story. Um, yeah, which, which brings us to the two most recent turns you've taken with the character in Spider-Verse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the phone call? Was it like, hey, we're doing this thing with every spider character. Do yeah. you want to be a part of it? What was that? Like? Yeah, that was exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the funny thing about Moro is that you always have to keep your phone open for communication because you never know you, when you get the call. You have to be ready. And it's like tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, that was pretty much it. After we did the second miniseries, we ended it. Uh, in 2010, and there was nothing for four years. And with all the material that Dave and I had, and we still have, we could have created an ongoing series of Spider-Man noir. We wanted that. And finally, the call came in 2014. Nick Lowe wrote us and said, hey, we're doing this giant spider event. Do you want to be a part of it? And it was a gift. Edge of Spider-Verse was a gift. And for me, it was even more of a gift because I was in the process of moving to the United States. And I was kind of in between worlds, and I needed that. And Marvel gave it to me. So it was, it was great. Uh, I just had wrapped uh, my first career-owned series at Image, too. And when Nick said, okay, we'll give you number one of Edge of Spider-Verse, and we sold a lot of copies. It's probably my <laughs> highest-selling comic of all time. Unfortunately for us, but great for the others, there was Edge of Spider-Verse number two, <laughs> which outsold us by like three or four times. It was, the, of course, the first appearance of Spider-Gwen. And we couldn't... It's lightning in a bottle. It, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. It was lightning in a bottle. But the good thing is that years after, it was just 20 pages, but we had so much fun doing it. We got to introduce the noir version of Mysterio. And I don't know if you noticed, but there's a time jump between the second miniseries and Edge of Spider-Verse. Because we said, if Marvel wants us to do another series, we can like have this time jump between 1933 and 1940. We have all these stories that we can tell in between. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but you are you did do a, a cool Ultimate Comics, which is our video comics yes. uh, iteration. You did that with a Spider-Geddon story. Yes. That was another kind of gift that came like totally unexpected. Like... Nick say, hey, we haven't spoken in like four years, <laughs> but we want you to be associated with this new spider thing. Are you guys in? Yeah, of course. We're always in. I mean, this is our guy. So we're always up to working on, on new Marvel stuff. And, and we have fans waiting for news from Spider-Man War. So we had this story. And the thing is that it was an additional challenge because... Dave did that a little bit, so he knew more than me about it. But I never wrote for animation before. So it was a very different process. There were more people involved. And the funny thing is that uh, Paco Diaz uh, drew it. And I've known Paco for years. So recently we were at a show together and we got to talk about the process. And he was like, oh, man, I love your story. I wish it was longer. (laughs) I said, me too. <laughs> um, but uh, but I'm very grateful to Marvel for giving us this opportunity to tell that story. And and for me, even more, to introduce the new Shocker, the noir Shocker, and the White Widow, 
who's an evolution of the character of, of uh, Felicia Hardy from the first two series that not only we got to introduce, but that I could also design myself, which is like incredible because there was like no complaints. Like, okay, well, instead of like describing the character, I'm going to draw it for you. And people were like, okay, that looks exciting. Let's do it. <laughs> and it was very natural. That's what I love about working with Marvel is that it, it can be very, very organic, very natural. Like, okay, good people doing good comics. Let's do it. That's how it should be. Absolutely. Yeah. So what about Into the Spider-Verse? You know, in the movie is now coming out. How did you know that Spider-Man Noir is going to be a part of this film? I think I learned about it when Nicolas Cage was announced as the voice uh, of Spider-Man Noir. And I was like, oh, shoot. Uh, this is big. Um, He's so good. Yeah, I'm. I'm a fan. I hope I can like shake his hand and say, "Hey, I'm a fan of your work." And you would say something like, "I don't know who you are, <laughs> maybe." <laughs> but yeah, uh, Nicolas Cage is uh, was like incredible casting. But apart from that, I'm I'm very excited. I don't know what will be the interaction. There's something that I noted that I found really weird is that Spider-Man Noir in the movie is taller than the others, which is weird because it's the same Peter Parker. So how come a Peter Parker be like 6'5 like and the others are like 5'11 or, or even shorter and it's the same Peter Parker? It's beyond my understanding, but there's probably a good reason for it. So, yes. More vitamins? Uh, different, uh, In 1933? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Iron? I don't I'm know. I'm just trying. I'm trying yeah. here. When I watched the, the film, he was great. Nora is a lot of fun in the, in the film and yeah. he's got a good heart and like connection to everyone. The interactions are wonderful. He's yeah. great. And that's the thing is that Spider-Man Noir is the gift that keeps giving. The character has been around for, in my head, for like over 12 years. And every year there's something new. Uh, there's something incredible with it. Like, I remember when we first got our first action figure. It was like, wow, we have an action figure now. And then a second action figure and now a Funko toy. And, and it's like, wow, more Spider-Man Noir. It's like incredible. Like for a creator, it's, it's just like, it's not mine anymore. It's everybody's. And it's even better because I think the best thing that I ever had was at a convention. A four-year-old came dressed as Spider-Man Noir. It was so cute. That's amazing. Yeah, it was in Baltimore two years ago. Yeah. And I, I see a lot of people who stop by my booth at shows and say, hey, I, I love the character. I want to read more about it. I want to see more about it. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. Absolutely. Yeah. In uh, in the subways in New York City, uh, they have individual character posters. Yeah, I saw that. So one too. I saw the the like I was. I need to get my hands on by. one of those for home. Yeah, they'll get torn down soon. I don't know what happens to them. Oh, they dude. go up and they come down like two weeks later. Yeah, yeah, they're. Wild. If somebody can bring me one poster, like, <laughs> I can pay. That's okay. But it's like I want one of those posters. Well, if someone gets their hands on one, where can they find you on social media online? I'm very easy to find. Um, so on Instagram, I'm, I'm at Fabrice Crispies. It's like a plain word because Rice Krispies and whatever. Um, or with under my real name, Fabrice Polsky, on Facebook or anywhere. I have a, also my own website that don't upset uh, update very often. But for example, like I had a, a Jewish New Year card with Spider-Man Noir on it. So, Fabrice, thanks for coming in, chatting. Thank you very much, Ryan.